1: Normal radio, And now, here's Gene
2: Steinberg. With Gene and Chris on the PowerCast, we've got a really fascinating episode for you later today. But right now, I wanted to talk about briefly, or maybe not so briefly, the appearance last week of Artie Sixkiller Clark, who is the Star People expert. She's talked to Native Americans about a host of experiences. And before we get into the details, because I think it was a very impressive session, we did not get a lot of response. Yeah, the silence is deafening. Now, in terms of the actual downloads, they were pretty high. Our download level and the number of unique listeners we have every month continues to go up, which is really good. But this one didn't have any controversy attached to it. And that's part of what you see. And this is true anywhere. So, for example, you go on a site like Google or Apple to look at how people review software. If they have a problem, they're going to be up there complaining. If they don't have a problem, they don't bother. So I'm seeing the same thing here and the same phenomenon at play, probably, that most people listen to the show and they enjoyed it. and Obviously, a lot of people downloaded the episode, but she didn't say anything terribly controversial. No, and she had a fun time.
3: She's volunteered to be a uh, fill-in guest. She said, call me anytime. I really like being on with you guys. She likes that the the conversation kind of goes
2: all over the spectrum. She's not used to that. So she had a lot of fun. Well, it gives her a chance to actually think about things because quite often on a lot of these shows, the questions fall in a specific range. Sometimes a publisher will send you talking points with a guest. And you can bet that George Norrie is going to read that talking points because they well, have we no- need those stinking talking points. Exactly. The point being here is that we don't have the list of questions. I mean, it's not that we may not make a note. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. But the question will often follow the answers. And sometimes we'll just journey into different areas. And because our listeners are putting questions in the question bank that takes us to other realms that we didn't think about of course we won't always get the question you want sometimes a listener will say hey you didn't ask this question why well we don't read your mind i mean chris maybe does but you know <laughs> you can only cover so many questions
3: when we get a sometimes we have 50 60 questions and it's virtually impossible to 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 get them all asked and oftentimes Questions uh, posed or, or answered through conversation with our guest, and there's no need to ask the question
2: because they've already, we've already had that conversation. So this is part of it. Also, is that sometimes people ask questions, but they're not questions; they're opinions. Yeah. Well, those generally get ignored. <laughs> yeah. In fact, what we try to do as much as possible is, if the subject matter in our question bank drifts into opinions, we say no start a new thread or topic, wait till the guest is on. Well, I always view a lack of response,
3: you know, afterwards on the forums as a, um, like you put it, as a a sign of of people enjoying the show and and not really needing to, uh, you know, usually the negative uh, comments are the ones that are posted. And, you know, like when we first had Artie on, and I was kind of accused of badgering her a little bit because I was really frustrated that, there was really no dates and times and um uh, you know data points uh that were associated with most actually of her accounts and and she just kind of made a point of saying look that's you know that's not what I'm doing I'm I'm collecting stories it's kind of like a JC Johnson or a Tom Dongo there's there's other uh folks out there that that are more interested in the folklore um aspect of this as opposed to trying to establish uh, data points so I look at things a little bit more hard boiled, and you know, I try to, um, you know, look at these things as, as, journalistically and as an amateur scientist as best I can, and, and um, to me, it's, a, you know, it's it's important to to document you know the date and time and you know the actual particulars of the event in such a way that it's reliable data for others to down the road to use so you know I, not everybody thinks like that so you know I ha- I've just had to you know kind of bite my tongue and and accept people's approaches uh for you know for the kinds of things that we can ascertain from them which to me is diminished by not collecting those data points but Hey, it's entertaining stuff. J.C. Johnson, classic example, one one of my favorite fireside
4: storytellers.
2: (laughs) Not that it isn't worth trying to put something together about them, because, you know, the thing here is the way the culture influences these accounts of star people, because it appears that the cases that happen now are more like UFO abductions. And what that goes to show is, How did people interpret what we call a UFO abduction 2,000 years ago? And it's interesting to see how that changes according to the culture. So I think there's a lot of really good stuff there. And I thought that was really an important thing to talk about. Very important thing to talk about here, because we're trying to understand what's happening to people. And it obviously is not something you take literally, because if you do, how do you explain the dichotomy? between what they were described as back years ago, decades, centuries ago, as to what they're described now to be like. Right. Is it just our cultural growth, or is it because we interpret something we can't understand in a way that makes sense to us? This is why when I hear people talk about, for example, these screen memories of owls and things that supposedly indicate you were abducted, I think the abduction itself may be the screen memory for something else that we don't know about. Yeah, good point. Because it's so, if it's so easy to simply hypnotize somebody and get the memories of their encounter, if E.T. really wanted that not to happen, to keep that stuff hidden, they could do it. You, you would think. I mean, yeah. that's the automatic assumption. Sure, it's like Stanton Friedman and using radar to disable a flying saucer. That the radar disabled the flying saucer and made it crash into another flying saucer. Give me a break. That's low level stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah, and some of the um, you know my my area of um, I would say more advanced knowledge about star people as it um, as it in, interpreted by. Native American cultures, especially, Um, you know, my area of concentration has been the Pueblo people, and I was a little surprised that Artie wasn't as up to speed on the Kachina lore, the the three different types of Kachinas and the actual overlord Kachinas. um, it, It could almost be... Described in a, in sort of a Christian way as being angels, archangels, um, and what what each of these three different types are responsible for, and how come they don't come here anymore? Um, according to the Pueblo people, they they stopped coming um, at the behest of the people. The people said, "Look, you're not returning our our folks, so you know we'll honor your your influence in our in our culture, and we'll make sure that uh, you're always kept alive in our culture. But we'll do this if you don't come here." And so there is kind of a there's kind of the underlying sort of unspoken uh, inference that um, there was a lot more contact in the, in the distant past, uh, and possibly there's little if any contact now. So, you know, I wanted to get into those areas with her, but unfortunately, she's she's really not as up to speed on the pueblo the pueblo system as as uh, one would think she
2: would be. Tell us briefly in thirty seconds about our guest today. Wow, we're so fortunate to get
3: uh, Dr. Jeffrey Mishlov here. He rarely does radio and um one of the few books that I have dragged around since college is his seminal work, uh The Roots of Consciousness, which is arguably the the go-to encyclopedia for anyone interested in the uh, study of consciousness, and uh, it's it's going to be a real treat to have him uh, on the show. Uh, I do I do highly highly recommend this book. It's been a bible f- for me uh, since 1975 when it came out. Uh, he's since gone on to uh, uh, to dive into other areas uh, such as uh, the nat- uh, spirituality, ties to consciousness, and other things.
2: We're going to have a great show with him all about consciousness coming up with gene and chris you're in the
5: pericast
2: the award-winning graphic converter the universal genius for photo editing on your mac join over one and a half million loyal users for this swiss army knife photo editing app it gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's L E M K E SOFT.de slash gene. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
6: Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly, pure soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5 Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5 or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5 That's F-I-V-E starsoapcom Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
7: dangerous
5: blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break, and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs, causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non attorney spokesperson. Injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office Las Vegas, Nevada.
8: How confident are you in your food storage? If it was all you had to rely on, would it sustain your family? Hard times, good times, or any time, New Mana storable food is the proven superior choice. Learn for yourself what happened when one man ate only New Mana storable food for an entire month. Online at powerprepper.com. That's powerprepper.com. Experience the New Mana difference.
4: America-made food
9: storage. I love to eat. Yum.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: Back on the Paracast, I want to remind our listeners we have a special feature of the show. This is the gold standard of gold standards called the Paracast Plus. What we offer with Paracast Plus is the ability to hear a commercial-free version of this show, better quality audio, plus the exclusive after the Paracast podcast every week, plus lots of other features for a low subscription fee. Our price cheap. Go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. Our guest, Dr. Jeffrey Mishlov, joins us for the first time on the Paracast. Thank you for coming. We've really anticipated your appearance.
10: It's a pleasure to be with you.
2: Now, in focusing on human consciousness, and I always like to ask someone about their background. You've been doing this for a long time. What led you into this field of study? I mean, when you were a kid and your parents said, what do you want to be when you grow up? What did you want to be?
10: Oh, as a child, I had a very conventional upbringing. I thought I'd uh, go into business. My father ran a furniture store, and I always imagined that I'd probably take over that store. Uh, but by the time I got to college, uh, my interest widened, and I began to pursue an interest in in religious mysticism, and and largely from the viewpoint of of a, a skeptic. I was uh, one of the founders of the undergraduate psychology student association uh, back in the nineteen sixties at the University of Wisconsin, and. I uh, wrote a senior honors thesis on the psychology of religious mysticism with the idea that I would be able to show what sort of psychopathologies led people to uh, have formed the mistaken belief that they were having mystical experiences. But by the time I completed my research, uh, I realized that these experiences were quite authentic and, and that uh, I had to change my perspective altogether.
2: Well, you know, unfortunately, I think some people look at something and never change. What was the thing about it that said to you that spoke to you and said, these are real things happening to these people and not just something that they're imagining or whatever?
10: Well, one of the strongest influences was a book by the psychologist Abraham Maslow. It was called Toward a Psychology of Being, and he reviewed some of the brightest. People in our society, people like Albert Einstein and Helen Keller, and he determined that the great geniuses of society pretty much all had mystical experiences and that these were very positive and inspirational for them.
3: Kind of reminds me of Rene Descartes on his way back from uh, Bohemia. Uh, as a, a young army soldier of fortune, having a, an angel come to him in a dream and tell him that the, you know, the secret to uh, to nature is measurement and number, which gave rise to the <laughs> rational, uh, reductionist, materialistic science. So I, I bet you most scientists don't realize that the real start of scientific uh, the scientific method uh, came as in the form of an angel in a dream.
10: Well, the study of dreams is fascinating. There are many, many breakthroughs in science, not just science, but history as well, that come out of dreams.
3: And also... my um, life was
10: changed by dreams.
3: Really? Uh, Do tell.
10: Yes. Well, I went into graduate school at Berkeley in criminology. And I got very frustrated. I was doing uh, graduate field research at San Quentin Prison, and I made a decision for myself that I wanted to switch. I Uh, enjoyed studying human deviance, but I wanted to study positive forms of deviance rather than negative. I was really interested in studying the great mystics, creative people, psychics, rather than criminals, and Mm. people who were mentally ill. And I discovered, to my disappointment, there were no opportunities to do that at the University of California. Wait
3: a minute, you're talking Berkeley in the 60s. Uh, What's wrong with that picture? (laughs)
10: Well, you might think, I mean, there was an enormous interest in the community, but not in the university. You could study psychopathology all you wanted, but they had no programs in parapsychology, intuition, creativity, or mysticism, none. I agonized about this for months and months, and one day I knew with a great certainty that I was going to have a dream that night, and I'd find the answer in the dream. I had a very powerful dream. I was visiting some friends across town at Berkeley. I got to their apartment, knocked on the door. Nobody was there. And in the dream, I knew where they kept their key. I took the key, let myself into their apartment, and there in the middle of the living room floor was sitting a magazine called I, E-Y-E. I picked up the magazine, and as I was paging through it in my dream, I woke up with this feeling that I had found the answer, but I had no idea what the answer was, so I acted out the dream. I put on my tennis shoes, ran across town, got to this very apartment, knocked on the door. Nobody was home, just as I had dreamt, and in fact, I knew where they kept the key, right under the doormat, so I... Found it and let myself in. Walked into the living room. There, in the middle of the living room floor, was a magazine, and it was called Focus. And I began paging through it, and that magazine literally brought focus to my life. It was the magazine of listener sponsored radio and television in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I made a decision at that moment that I would pursue my interests by getting involved in the media in listener-sponsored media, which was odd because at the time I did not own a radio or a TV. And in fact, I was such a long-haired hippie, I didn't believe in electronic communication back then. I thought it was all phony baloney. Uh, But I changed my mind. I went over to KPFA in Berkeley, the local Pacifica. Radio station and offered to volunteer. Even though I had a master's degree at the time, they said, That's good. You can sit at this desk, and when you hear the doorbell ring, you push this button right here to let people in the front door. <laughs> and I, I was happy to do that. And within three weeks, I had learned quite a bit about radio production. I produced a program about local psychics in the Berkeley community. And The program director came to me and said, well, we have a slot here for a program called The Mind's Ear. You're supposed to interview leading authors in the fields of psychology and philosophy and related areas. And all of a sudden, I found myself twice a week sitting at a table with world-class experts. My life had become instantly transformed. And that gave me the confidence to create an individual interdisciplinary doctoral major at the University of California at Berkeley in parapsychology. And I completed that degree seven years later in 1980. Today it remains still the only doctoral diploma in parapsychology ever awarded by an accredited university anywhere in the world.
2: That's amazing dr jeffrey mishlove power psychology and i have a couple of questions about what you've told us so far that i want to get to with gene and chris you're in the barricast
11: thank you for listening to gcn visit GCNlive.com today
12: Are the answers to your present and future hidden in your past? Akashic readings help you learn to unlock the answers for love, finances, weight loss, self-esteem, confusion, grief and loss, and more. Akashic email readings by Dr. Kelly Maroon, Ph.D. are specially priced right now. Learn more at Dr. Kelly Maroon's website, akashicuniversal.com, spelled A-K-A-S-H-I-C universal.com. Change your life today. Become one with your true path with intention on purpose. Visit akashicuniversal.com.
13: Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like.
14: Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich, working harder than ever, but getting nowhere Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life.
15: Are you living your passion? Are you pumped to go to work because you get to talk about or work with or do the things that interest you the most? Is working, playing, and relaxing one and the same? As long as you're working for someone else, you'll never be living entirely true to yourself and your passion. I'm Pharmacist Keith. Let me show you how you can work around your current schedule, create the extra income so you can live your passion. Visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. radio.recordedvideo.com hey
0: this is marie d jones the author of this book is from the future and you are listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio
2: dr jeffrey mishlove is joining us on the paracast And before we get into you establishing this program and then completing it, I'm interested in when you actually went to this other place, this other residence, and you found the key and you entered, did you ever think, what's going to happen if the police come over and they catch you for breaking and entering? That's the first thing that came to my mind. Breaking and entering.
10: You, you know, these were good friends of mine, and I don't think they would have minded. But uh, in any case, the thought never passed through my mind.
3: Well, I want to know, uh, you know, what you think about a precognitive dream like that. You know, how, how is that possible that a person can have a dream of something that is yet to happen and have the almost to the, the exact detail this come true? What what are we looking at here? How is this possible?
10: Well, there are various theories about it. Uh, For example, uh, some people say you can't really see the future because the future hasn't happened yet. But what you can see are the probabilities of what might happen. The actual probabilities exist in in a kind of quantum geometry. So that's one point of view. Another point of view is that, well, actually the future has happened. All time, past, present, and future really exists. And if we can just step outside of uh, what we think is the present moment, then we can access uh, future realities. So it's controversial. We don't have a good theoretical handle on this yet uh, there are various experiments that are being done and the i would say the weight of those experiments is is that what people see when they look into the future is the probability patterns that exist in the present moment
2: so there are ways then to possibly change it now when you talk about the past the future the present and i think now the interest we've had in sci-fi, over time travel, over the years, there's always a time travel TV show. We've got two this year, Frequency and Timeless. People going back through time, doing things. And we get back to that paradox. If you go back through time and you change an event and sneezing yeah. in the wrong direction could change an event or stepping on an mm-hmm. insect, yeah. does that mean that what happens then was meant to be or you've altered it like the comic book Flashpoint from The Flash.
10: Well, you know, the problem is that you're using uh, examples from fiction uh, of to illustrate y- your argument. And we don't know very much about uh, whether time travel is possible at all. But I can tell you this, that uh, physicists who look at it suggest that one way to resolve the paradox of, well, what if you go back in time and kill your parents or kill your grandparents so you never even existed? How can you resolve a paradox like that? And and one way to resolve it would be through what is known as the many-worlds interpretation of quantum theory, where every possible world actually exists somewhere. So if if you end up killing grandparents, it's not as if you cease to exist, you just jump into a different possibility. You know,
2: when you say that, I think, why do people differ so much on what they remember about their lives? And is it that we're constantly moving in and out of realities? And therefore, we're interacting with other people who may not share those experiences or superficially share them. But as a matter of fact, they lived in a different reality. I mean, i like to change my reality right now, but I don't want to get into that.
10: <laughs> well, you, you know, uh, we all have a kind of private consciousness. It's one of the main uh, criteria for for being a conscious entity. William James noticed it right away. My consciousness is based on my unique history as a human being, and yours is based on your unique history, and uh, we're very different. When I wake up in the morning, I never have your memories. I only have my own.
3: Yeah. Well, one thing um, that should probably be mentioned here is um, there has been some very interesting work done um, by Dean Radin, who has done some very impressive experiments that have sort of the end result is that the the actual human body responds to events uh, slightly before they happen. And um, he's been able to measure some sort of, you know, physical response to stimuli, let's say, uh, just prior to the stimuli occurring. So there does appear to be some sort of precursor type um, process that, that, that's going on. Maybe you could uh, put that in a little better terms for us. Uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with this work uh, of Radin's.
10: Yeah, uh, it's been replicated maybe in a dozen different laboratories now. It's known as the pre-sentiment effect. And and the notion is that even before we become consciously aware of uh, some stimulus, perhaps even before the stimulus is presented to us, our physiology picks up on it. So they may show people um, pictures that are... Either frightening or maybe sexually stimulating, and they're they're doing physiological measurements, galvanic skin response, for example. And uh, what they've been able to demonstrate is that even before the stimulus is presented, and it's presented randomly, of course, um, the body seems to know it's about to happen, and there'll be a fear response or or a an arousal response right before. Uh, within maybe uh, seconds or even fractions of a second before the stimulus is presented. Uh, so it, it certainly suggests that the human body itself acts as, I, I call it, an intuitive antenna.
2: Right. So it's well, part if the- of it also that if we get in touch with this process, maybe we'd have some of these abilities?
10: Well, I think it'd probably be very useful if you're a poker player, if you are uh, <laughs> uh, trading uh, in the stock market. Or yeah, like uh, a
3: hockey goalie. <laughs> if, if, <laughs>
10: If yeah, if you if for athletes, uh, athletes often talk about entering into the zone where they seem to know in advance what's about to happen, and, and where great moments of athletic performance occur. But it, could, it probably could happen in almost any profession, from police to firefighters. You hear quite a bit about it uh, from soldiers in the battlefield.
3: Yeah. Well, and, and that's that's just looking at um, at uh, you know, that's looking at a person that has an unaltered, um, let's say, maybe obviously endorphins and and um, chemicals in the body are are involved. But what about um, uh, perturbing consciousness with um, psychotropics and that sort of thing? Do we see any? Indications that um, that there's a heightened uh, level of uh, presentience or or um, no. some sort of uh, you know precursor uh, uh, scenario that happens when the when the mind is being perturbed by uh, by you know satiagens or whatever
10: by drugs. Uh let's start with uh, visionary vegetables, uh, because there's a lot of folklore that people who take psychedelic drugs, even marijuana, have enhanced psychic capacities. Um, but the research uh, that's been done uh, doesn't really uh, provide strong evidence for that at all. There are other ways to enhance consciousness through uh, auditory stimulation, through hypnosis, through meditation. Uh, and the research does show that uh, by quieting your mind, uh, you do enhance uh, extrasensory perception.
2: We've got a lot more to go with Dr. Jeffrey Mishlov, who just happens to be the first person on the planet to get a doctorate in parapsychology and at least for now the only person to receive a doctorate in parapsychology from a major university how about that so much more to come and we have questions from you listeners about different aspects we want to get into covering that as well so you're on with gene and with chris you're in the Paracast. Paracast. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Powercast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour.
4: Has neck, back, or shoulder pain got you down? Go to sunshine-pillows.com and get soothing comfort, support, and pain relief fast. Their microwavable heat therapy pillows and wraps treat neck and shoulder pain, reduce stress, and relax the soul. An ergonomic pillow from Sunshine Pillows supports your head and neck on long trips or when simply resting at home. Be good to yourself. Visit sunshine-pillows.com.
12: Are the answers to your present and future hidden in your past? Akashic readings help you learn to unlock the answers for love, finances, weight loss, self-esteem, confusion, grief and loss, and more. Akashic email readings by Dr. Kelly Maroon, Ph.D. are specially priced right now. Learn more at Dr. Kelly Maroon's website, akashicuniversal.com, spelled A-K-A-S-H-I-C universal.com. Change your life today. Become one with your true path with intention on purpose. Visit akashicuniversal.com.
0: Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro1G 2.0 Cleanable Reusable Filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax Shower Filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com.
9: That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson of the Genesis Communications Network. Over the 30-plus years I've been in finance, I can see that the world economy is now at a critical point. Unlimited money creation and runaway debt could trigger a collapse of the financial system. It's imperative that you protect yourself in case of hyperinflation or even deflation. Investment Rarities has put together a survival bag of 200 silver quarters. These 90% silver quarters are dated 1964 and earlier. Each quarter is worth almost $5. If a quarter has already reached $5, the trend is obviously on your side. These survival bags sell for eight ninety-five dollars 95 delivered. Call 800-328-1860 to order today. Not only can these quarters be used for barter in a brief period of hyperinflation, they have the potential to appreciate 5 to 10 times. Call 800-328-1860. Get one for each member of your family. Call 800-328-1860. That's 800-328-1860.
14: This is Kurt Sutherland, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to The Paracast.
2: With Gene and Chris in The Paracast, Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove is gracing us by spending the time with us and showing us different things. You know, when you talk about the fact that the human body anticipates things before an actual event, I almost think in terms of animals, they're very good at that. So, of course, I'll see our dog coming over in anticipation we're going to do something a few minutes from now. And he always gets it right. And I don't know what kind of science he's picking up, because I'm not doing anything, but he, he gets the message. Well, or animals and earthquakes.
10: Sure. Yes, there's a lot of folklore about that. And there's even been some uh, interesting research studies with mice and with cockroaches, where they you know, put them into devices where they'll get electric shocks on one half of the device and no shock on the other half and they seem to know which side of the device is a safe one to be on even though the uh, shocks are administered at random.
3: Oh, that's interesting. And also the work of uh, Rupert Sheldrake and the whole idea of uh, morpho- morphogenic fields and uh, mm. some of the examples that um, that he's been able to, to come up with to show that um, there seems to be an underlying interconnectedness between like uh, uh, like animals that say are like intelligences uh, or lack of intelligences. Uh, I think the the most famous would be the monkeys uh, uh, instantly learning in Japan how to wash the sand off potatoes. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but there's been other studies too, mice uh, that have never run a particular maze. As soon as one figures it out, the rest kind of know um, how to do the maze. How, how do we look at that sort of research and uh, and explain that?
10: Rupert Sheldrake has developed a theory, he calls it uh, the theory of morphogenetic fields, and uh, he suggests that once, uh, let's say, uh, monkeys in one island have learned uh, through happenstance that if they wash the uh, potatoes off, they'll taste better, then all of a sudden uh, monkeys in other islands, separated by uh, miles, start uh, exhibiting the same behavior. So, That's the theory. Obviously, it uh, involves some sort of paranormal communication, and because of that, uh, it's very controversial. We live in a materialistic era, and in spite of 150 years of empirical research on psychic phenomenon, the, the mainstream of academia still pretty much ignores it, which is one of the reasons why, even after 36 years, I'm still the only person who's, who's ever gotten a doctoral diploma in parapsychology. Uh, I should add, however, that there are many good researchers, uh, such as Rupert Sheldrake and Dean Radin, whom, whom you've mentioned earlier, who are doing excellent work in the field. They don't need to have a doctoral diploma in parapsychology to do that.
2: You know, it's very interesting here. You're the only one who got this degree. Has anyone other than you tried?
10: Well, yes. Uh, Let me put it this way. There are probably about 200 people in the world who have done... Doctoral dissertations on parapsychological topics. What makes me unique is that I actually created an individual interdisciplinary program that was named parapsychology. And I have a unique uh, perspective, because I attempted to integrate a lot of ancient philosophy and contemporary folklore uh, in, into the field. I tried to establish the field as one that's been around for centuries, but uh, people... Um, like Dean Radin, Charlie Tart, Rupert Sheldrake, they've gotten their degrees in psychology or physics or philosophy, uh, and uh, they're doing perfectly uh, legitimate work in the field.
2: Chris.
3: It's it's really difficult to uh, bang up against the entrenched uh, good old boy network in the scientific community, especially uh, subjects like um, um, UFOs, uh, any sort of uh, paranormal uh, subjects. It's just it's just a kiss of death, in, it's a kiss of death in the scientific and academic communities. Um, do you see any hope for this ever changing? Do you see any movement towards uh, more openness uh, within these communities towards these subjects?
10: Well, I'm very optimistic that eventually uh, there will be. And in fact, if you read uh, the scientific journals carefully, you'll see that in many non parapsychological journals, there are research reports being published that uh, address often in a uh, um, unintentional way and address the uh, possibilities of psychic functioning, uh, particularly uh, research in physics, but also in biology and in psychology. So uh, one of the reasons that I've set up the new thinking aloud video channel that that I've been uh, hosting interviews on for the last 15 months is to leave a legacy so that eventually when universities and colleges offer degree programs in parapsychology there will be a uh, a body of material there and People will be able to experience firsthand uh, the work of uh, researchers who um, may no longer be alive by the time uh, the uh, academic world wakes up.
3: Yeah, yeah, we're not holding our breath. You should probably (laughs) add. I think we're going to have to lose a whole generation of good old boys before before that happens. Although you know, we're I think well on our way. Um, you know, your your book, uh, I must say, uh, The Roots of Consciousness, has been a bit of a Bible for me ever since college. It's one of the few books that survived all my moves uh, <laughs> since then. It's all dog-eared and, you know, pages are falling out, but I still have my original copy of this book, which it should, I think, uh, and, and is still considered an encyclopedia in the Study of consciousness um, we, a lot of your work, as you mentioned prior is um looking at ancient cultures and and the connecting points uh between uh some of the spiritual traditions and and how how consciousness uh, plays a part in 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 some very very uh sophisticated and and long established systems of belief. Um, what do you think of this whole new sort of uh, fascination with ancient aliens? And, um, I mean, we're talking about a show that should have maybe lasted two or three seasons, and, and they've been able to milk the cow going into their ninth year. Uh, the, the, I, what do you think about this? Do you think that this is something that um, that you anticipated? Uh, or And, and how do you look at this kind of pop cultural uh, view of uh, this whole, potential uh, subject area. Uh,
10: Yeah, I think that some of the writers who are promoting the ancient alien idea are stretching the evidence quite a lot. Uh, Many of the things that von Daniken writes about, for example, don't hold up. However, uh, the notion that we may have been visited long ago uh, by uh, aliens either from uh, other planetary systems or perhaps other dimensions of time and space is plausible and uh, deserves uh, our attention. Who were these ancient gods that seem to have had so much influence in the uh, formation of uh, the belief systems of humanity uh, several thousand years ago?
2: Now, when you mention von Zaniken's claims not Holding up. Because he latches on to a lot of the stuff that other people who are interested in ancient astronauts have talked about. Indeed, I think to many members of the Paracast audience, they know that Eric von Daniken was far, far from the first person to be talking about ancient astronauts. You can go back in the early 1950s and Desmond Leslie, who wrote that other section of George Adamski's Flying Saucers Have Landed. You could certainly talk about that interesting character, Yonah Fortner, who wrote for Jim Mosley's Saucer News. And also, of course, you could talk about Brinsley Leportrench, a British UFO writer who wrote a book about the sky people, among other works that covered ancient astronauts. So in what respect do you think that maybe his stuff doesn't make it for you? And we have to break in about a minute. So let's at least start the answer now, Jeff.
10: Well, uh, I, we could go over it detail by detail. I'm, yeah. I'm not a great expert. I have uh, a lot of skepticism about the network of underground caves extending for thousands of miles. I, I don't think that holds up for as is, is one example. Uh, I think Maybe the simplest way is to say that probably fifty percent of everything von Daniken writes about is is inaccurate, and we don 't always know which fifty percent it is yeah.
2: well, that certainly really doesn 't help, does it oh well i 'm going to ask you when we get back after the break to maybe tell us if we 're looking for information about that possibility, is there a go to person under a book to consider Dr. Jeffrey Mischlov is here with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
1: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's rockoid dot com.
16: There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of healthcare that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable healthcare that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain healthcare costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org.
1: welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's jane steinberg
2: so the question on the table jeff is there a go-to book or books that we should look for
10: Uh, With regard to ancient astronauts, uh, I highly recommend the work of Jacques Vallée, who is uh, an astronomer and computer scientist who wrote many, many books, including Passport to Magonia, including The Invisible College. I think he has uh, the most accurate, honest, and uh, realistic handle on uh, UFO phenomena.
3: Right, and he's almost a neighbor of yours. You probably uh, know him fairly well, I would imagine.
10: Well, I've known Jacques since the 1970s, yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah, He's been on the PowerCast a couple of times. Yeah, we've had him on the show a couple of times. And I finally got a chance to meet my hero at the uh, International UFO Congress last year. And man, that was, uh, I'm not a fanboy by any stretch of the imagination, but I felt like a giggling teenager when I saw him walk into the room. <laughs> You're talking to a real big Jacques Vallée fan. Uh, one of the other books that has made all my moves with me is Password to Magonia
2: and all the other Vallée and Keel books, actually, that I have. So You're not a fanboy, but should I reveal what you asked me about the fact that a very well-known figure in the consumer audio field is repairing your receiver <laughs> and you made a request? Of what he should do.
3: Yeah. yeah. I have a, a Carver receiver, which is probably the finest integrated stereo amp and receiver ever made. And I sent it to Bob. Gene knows Bob Carver. And he sent it off to him. And I asked Gene to ask him to autograph it for me. <laughs> 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 well, I, I pick and choose uh, my, you know, the people that I'm real fans of uh, very carefully. And, and Jeffrey, you're one of them, man. I just love... I find myself, you know, fairly often going back and, you know, when I'm in a particular part of a research process, I'll invariably be opening up your your wonderful encyclopedia and and, uh, getting some inspiration from it. I, I know being there in the, uh, in the San Francisco area that, uh, of course, you're close to uh, Stanford.
10: Well, actually, uh, San- I'm in Las Vegas.
3: Oh, you're in Las
2: Vegas. Okay. Uh,
3: right.
10: Yes, yes I, I lived in San Francisco for 30 years, but I've been in Las Vegas for the last 15. So you actually uh, have affordable
2: country- rent, right? <laughs> I mean, I had a friend of mine who lived yeah. in the Bay Area and he was just a writer and he couldn't get anything for less than 2500 or $3,000. He was going oh, yeah. crazy.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, you spent many years yeah. there, and um, the SRI, Stanford Research Institute, is under um, Hal Putoff and in, in Russell Targ with the remote viewing work that was done in the 70s and into the 80s. The Sandinista, one of our longtime posters at com, where you can go ahead and post your questions for our guests, he's wondering, have you been involved at all in the uh, in any sort of uh, experiments or work uh, regarding remote viewing. And um, what do you think about it, its efficacy? Do you think it's something that's, that's viable? And, and uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that subject?
10: Absolutely. I did my first remote viewing experiment in 1976 at SRI International. And interestingly enough, I mentioned my new video series, New Thinking Aloud uh, About a year ago, I interviewed Dr. Elizabeth Rauscher, who was the experimenter in that particular uh, series. And uh, she remembered the whole thing quite vividly because I had a beautiful hit. She's still Talks about it in her lectures today. Uh, now we have the International Remote Viewing Association, and there are hundreds and hundreds of people teaching themselves how to do remote viewing and how to apply it uh, for useful purposes.
3: Well, that's—I uh, I think that would be one chink in the armor of uh, you know your kind of con- conservative uh, academia and scientific communities. Uh, you don't really hear. Them supporting any sort of positive results in this in this particular um, field that has proven to be uh, uncannily accurate. Uh, some people like Pat Price, of course, back uh, Ingo Swan and others uh, who obviously had sort of uh, I think above average talent uh, in this regard had some amazing hits uh, if you go through the literature. But but one thing that that I think should be stressed and i i think you would agree that we all have that ability if we allow ourselves to um to follow uh, certain protocols and um and do the kind of uh, inner work that's needed to um uh, to be open enough to um be receptive uh for it uh is this something am, am i making an accurate statement here do you think uh, most people um have the ability to remote view
10: Well, there are many, many examples of people who didn't think that they had any psychic abilities whatsoever, who uh, attempted to do remote viewing and found that they were uh, very good at it right from the very beginning. So uh, it seems to be a latent talent, uh, but I think it's like all human talents. There's sort of a bell curve. Some people have it uh, to a much greater degree than other people.
2: The thing I always wonder about remote viewing, and we've done shows on it, we even did a test at one time that was reasonably successful, is the level of accuracy and dependability...
10: It's difficult to do. I uh, did a series of 10 interviews with Ed May, who was the head of research for the secret uh, U.S. government program, Stargate, that went on for 20 years from about 1976 to 1996. And the, one of the points he wanted to emphasize is that in spite of the many brilliant success stories you hear about, overall, it's it's very difficult work. Uh, and uh you can't expect dramatic successes all the time they occur periodically but uh they do not occur regularly
3: yeah I, I I read it it's it's almost like a 50-50 thing with people that are well trained and and um they show you know above average uh, abilities that it's not as reliable um as you would need let's say for an intelligence uh, for intelligence information to act upon that sort of thing
10: Well there and, there have been some real intelligence successes Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. uh, I'll give you a good uh, baseline. My friend Marty Rosenblatt runs an organization of remote viewers. It's called the Applied Parasite, uh, the Applied Precognition Project. He'd be a great guest for you if you haven't interviewed him yet. We have. He's been- Okay, he's been going, as, as you probably know then, for about 10 years, and during that time, uh, over thousands of trials, his uh, remote viewers have approximately a 60% hit rate. On targets where by chance alone, it would be fifty percent uh, so that 's been successful enough for them to make money uh, uh, doing things like investing in stocks and futures and may- placing wagers on athletic events.
3: maybe Sean David Morton should take the class and improve his uh, his his rate and not lose three million dollars <laughs> of his client 's money.
2: Is he in jail now, or has he just been fined?
10: Yeah, I haven't kept up with... Uh, yeah, I
2: heard that his Sean, bail was $100, so he he got out.
10: I you Chris, know you... much more about his uh, latest activities than I do.
3: Yeah, yeah let's uh, not scrape the bottom of the barrel here, Gene. <laughs> Don't bring it up again.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, we do have some questions, uh, some very basic questions about the whole subject of human consciousness. And... Of course, it's quite controversial. Um, We have yet to really, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but come up with a real hard, fast, uh, solid uh, definition or or show the operative principles that that really kind of allow for human consciousness. The very fact that I can, you know, pick up a pencil is is like a a PK event, really. Uh, There is much controversy in this field. How do you define... Uh, first of all, human consciousness, or what would your definition be?
10: Well, I think it's just simply being aware, having experience.
3: So I think, Uh, therefore, I am.
10: Yeah. One might say that. Philosophers use the term qualia, which might be like the experience of the color blue, having uh, a subjective life, having inner experiences,
3: well, I've got a question here from William Strathman again, who's a poster at forum.theparacast.com, dot com, where you can ask questions of our of our wonderful guests. He says, number one, outstanding. He's very excited that you're going to be on the program, and he's he's saying, could could Dr. Mishler describe current developments regarding the quote unquote hard problem of consciousness? How, and how do you personally interpret the
2: evidence? Let's hold that answer to our next segment. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The award winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's L E M K E SOFT.de slash gene. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
17: This is a life-changing message for anyone with sleep apnea who is on the go and tired of dragging around a big, bulky home CPAP device. Now there's finally a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. You can even add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. It's the Transcend Mini CPAP. And if you're one of the first 100 callers, you can try Transcend risk-free for 10 days. So call now. 1-800-441-0335. Transcend is the world's first portable mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. Our smallest and most advanced portable design ever, Transcend is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. To guarantee your 10-day in-home trial, you must be one of the first 100 callers to call miniCPAP.com now. 1-800-441-0335. Again, that's 1-800-441-0335.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: Yes, cliffhanger time on the Paracast. Our guest, Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove, was asked a question of one of our listeners who posted at forum.thepowercast.com and the question bank. Jeff, your response?
10: Okay. He he asked about the hard problem, and uh, the hard problem is usually couched this way. How is it possible for a physical system like the brain that is made out of atoms and molecules and neurons, none of which are conscious? how, How does consciousness occur? And there are several potential answers to that question. One of them is that consciousness sort of uh, is very basic, that matter is conscious. Even down to the subatomic particles, they have a, a measure of consciousness. So that the assumption that physical matter has no consciousness and then somehow it magically appears is a flawed assumption, that the consciousness is already there. Another way to interpret it is that there is what's called dualism, that there's the world of matter, which is not conscious, but that there's another world, a world of spirit. And uh, we're all conscious because uh, we participate in, one might say, the mind of God or the larger consciousness, and that our brains don't Generate consciousness, but they act like radio antennas or radio receivers, receiving consciousness from this other realm. And then the conventional scientific answer is uh, it's called promissory materialism or promissory materialism, which is someday we'll figure the problem out. We know the brain is the source and generator of consciousness, and just give us enough time, and eventually we'll put all the pieces together together and it might have something to do with feedback loops in the brain. So, so when we'll-
2: a child is born does that child tap into a specific element of consciousness and that becomes part of its being?
10: Well, there are different theories. I, you know, I have to tell you, I don't have a final answer to all of this. Uh, I suppose we have to take into account, if you talk about when a child is born, the prospect of, of reincarnation, that that child already has a very long history as, as a conscious being and may have been in other bodies. The, the idea of a soul that travels from body to body to body in the course of uh, many lifetimes sort of. Uh, akin to the way a a snake keeps shedding its skin and forming a new skin. It's a perfectly reasonable hypothesis, and there's quite a bit of evidence to suggest that uh, that's how uh, consciousness works.
3: For instance, uh, we just recently had an example of a child that was born that was able to, in, a, in just an incredible fashion, describe very, very specific details from a past life which uh, were able to be uh, ascertained to be true. So you're saying that there is enough evidence to at least legitimize some real official scientific or, or academic uh, study of this instead of having it uh, be just pooh by by the mainstream.
10: Well, at the University of Virginia... The Division of uh, Perceptual Studies, Uh, I think it's part of their school of medicine there, they have been studying reincarnation cases now for many decades. They have a database of over 2,500 cases of young children who, as soon as they can begin to speak, start uh, describing past lifetimes. And in roughly half of those cases, they were able to go back and do the research and document that the descriptions of the children were accurate.
3: Yeah, wow. Here here in the Sedona area, it seems like anybody you meet that's been reincarnated was always either Caesar, uh, Akhenaten, uh, Nefertiti. <laughs> you rarely get somebody in Sedona that says, uh, I'm a reincarnated stable boy from medieval England or something. It's got to be some right. exalted. Uh, I've actually met two reincarnated Nefertitis.
10: There was a um, psychologist named Helen Wambach, uh, now deceased, who wrote a book about past life uh, regression therapy, and she collected all hundreds, maybe thousands of cases of people who under hypnosis remembered past lives, and she correlated the socioeconomic status of the people uh, being described with the demographic statistics that we have from different periods in uh, human cultural history, and and she found that uh, contrary to your example there in Sedona, which might be an unusual case, <laughs> by and large, the uh, descriptions did, in fact, match the uh, actual demographic statistics. Wow. That there were more peasants uh, than there were uh, royalty and so on.
3: Well, I, I was kind of being a little bit facetious there. That was kind of dry humor, but <laughs>
10: mm-hmm.
3: I did. I have met two reincarnated Nefertiti's. That, that I will... Say
10: <laughs> Well, you know, it's also possible that uh, a person might have an inkling that they were um, part of the retinue or entourage of no. uh, a, a well-known person, and in their own memory, uh, they may be confusing it.
3: Right, right. Yeah, projecting onto that person that they were a um, servant to, let's say. Here's another question. Uh, this is from Ufology Randall up in Calgary, Alberta. Longtime poster here at the Forum. Um, in your opinion, uh, it's a two, two-part two question. Um, in your opinion, can consciousness be both fundamental and emergent? And he's wondering, why or why not?
10: Well, what an interesting question. Uh, You know, my first thought was, no, it's got to be one or the other. But frankly, uh, I I suspect it's far more complex than uh, we conceive of, or maybe even that we can conceive of. And so the idea that uh, both A and not A can exist simultaneously uh, is probably a pretty good way to look at it
4: yeah it is we have
10: to be open to paradoxes
3: i'll say especially dealing with these subject matters if you're not you're you are not you you do not have a you don't have a prayer i think his follow up question is a real good one too in your opinion, is consciousness a prerequisite for a world view and his example is, could an a i uh without consciousness have a worldview?
10: view isn't that interesting? It, yeah in in theory um you, you know it's possible for computers to perform very very sophisticated tasks for example language translation right. and uh, and not be at all conscious uh So I suppose one could say, yes, maybe they can even form a worldview. You you might say a computer uh, has a worldview, and let's assume for the moment computers are not conscious. Uh, There are people uh, who talk about what they call a singularity, which is the day when computers become conscious, because uh, at that point in time computers will be uh, approximately as complex as the human brain and then they believe that's when consciousness will emerge in computers. Uh, but maybe, maybe you don't need to be fully conscious to have a world view.
2: Well,
3: yeah, um, that's, that's a good question. Randall uh, generally comes up with some
2: good ones. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into more consciousness or lack of consciousness and lots of other stuff with Dr. Jeffrey Mishlov. Coming up on the show, a reminder to please go to plus.theparacast.com to check out our premium subscription plan with Gene and Chris in The Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com
9: today.
13: You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code George for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like.
17: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house?
7: Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves, home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage, but how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP-hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to
9: Tom Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening
2: to the Paracast. Yes, Chris is trying to whisper, and that whisper was in the 19th dimension. Okay, that's with the character from the comics that you have to say his name backwards to get rid of him. Seriously speaking here... Talking about consciousness, Jeff, I guess we go into life and death, all right? Okay, okay. Right. So when a person dies, does that mean their consciousness is freed from being tethered to this particular physical being and then it goes elsewhere or what?
10: Well, there are different uh, perspectives on life after death. Uh, There's some very, very uh, sophisticated and detailed and complex descriptions that go back 150 years to the work of Allan Kardec, uh, a French researcher uh, who began interviewing mediums and transcribing what they had to say and looking at when different medium spiritualist mediums would agree with each other or or not and uh, these teachings often are in accord with uh, similar teachings from yoga philosophy and uh, tibetan buddhism where they describe uh, different realms in the afterlife some realms are very close to the earth plane and living there might be almost identical to living on earth uh, other realms uh, are are such that you no longer need even an astral body. You become a pure energy being or a pure being of light and travel into uh, realms that are unintelligible or almost unimaginable from our uh, human perspective.
2: Now, the uh, point I- raised here is when a person dies, are they aware they're going anywhere or do they just wake up and they are accustomed to the new state of affairs whatever it is
10: well i think it depends a lot on the individual uh, you may recall when george harrison when george harrison died the beatle the famous beatle uh, he died as i recall almost 20 years ago now and at that time it was his goal to die consciously He tried very hard to be conscious at the moment of his death so that he could experience the whole thing uh, sort of wide awake. That's a goal of many people who are involved in yoga practices and meditation, for example. But the average person, you know, we're going to die in many different ways. Sometimes it's an accidental death, and it's very sudden, and we're unprepared for it. And there are accounts of people uh, who don't know that they're dead when that happens. They find themselves in a very strange place, and uh, oftentimes they they need to be guided to move on to some sort of sense of spiritual evolution. Uh, there are other people, according to the folklore, who when they die, they, they still have very strong attachments and habits, even addictions to alcohol, tobacco, nicotine, and sex, for example. So they hang around the earth plane
9: well, that- trying
10: to... Uh, maybe possess other people so that they can experience the pleasures that they were used to when they had a body.
9: Well, that's
3: a that's a great uh, way to dovetail into a whole new series of com- of conversations here, and that is uh, the whole idea of ghosts and haunted sites. Uh, we're seeing a tremendous upswing uh, in the last few years of, of interest and in this subject uh, with all the. many ridiculous, uh, actually, in my interpretation, uh, or my opinion, uh, ghost shows and ghost hunting shows. But what about haunted sites? What about um, reoccurring uh you know the, the spectral uh images that uh, that people report what do we know about that and is there any way to explain how this is possible other than the explanation that you just gave how how can they be uh manifest at one moment and then gone the next uh is it is it purely on the receiving end, is it is it people that are in the right place at the right time to experience this, or are we dealing with something that's that's operating uh, totally um, autonomously on on its own schedule?
10: Well, the uh, Society for Psychical Research that was founded in 1882 in London began to explore these experiences of uh, ghosts and apparitions and hauntings. Uh, They had very rigorous methodologies, and one of the early publications... um, in this area was called Apparitions of the Living, in which they pointed out that uh, there are many, many cases where people experience ghost-like apparitions, but they're not of people who are deceased. They're of people who are alive. And very often, those people were attempting to project their consciousness to another location. They might have been asleep having a dream about being in another location, uh, and people saw their apparition, or they may have been attempting to do it consciously, Uh, particularly people engaged in yoga practice seem to be able to cultivate that ability. So there's a large lore about these apparitions. Sometimes they're seen by multiple people at the same time. Sometimes they're seen by one person in a room and not by other people who are in the same room. So uh, it, it like so much in the field of parapsychology. There are many paradoxes and, and controversies, but I would say one thing that's been established unequivocally is, is that apparitions of the living do indeed occur. Well,
3: that's interesting. I've never really even thought about that. I didn't even know there was a, uh, a, you know, kind of an area of parapsychology that studied that. That's that's news to me. That's very interesting. I, <laughs> you know, having been to some of the most haunted sites in North America, dragged along, kicking and screaming in the beginning. I might add, I went into it very skeptical and and thought it was actually kind of dumb. And you know, like. Mm-hmm couldn't believe the owner of the video company I was working for was into that sort of thing and and having visited uh some very as I come to find out very uh having been to some of the, the more notorious haunted sites in North America I did walk away from those experiences with a, a newfound respect for for the subject um an example uh would be the Mantino um state asylum which is where we First, it was the first of the super hospitals where we developed thorazine. First, did lobotomies, electroshock uh, therapy, um, you know, hydrotherapy techniques. I think were were introduced uh, from that uh, facility. I have never felt. Um, well, only other one other time have I felt the the level of unease uh, in that particular facility. Uh, It was almost like uh, condensed ghost soup. Um, They had demolished uh, 1,100 and some odd buildings, and only a number of them were left. And and it really did feel like all the hangers-on spirit entities were all compressed into one space. It was very, very uh, disconcerting. Are there any haunted sites that you're aware of that uh, you feel have real legitimate evidence to support claims of, of hauntings?
10: Well, uh one of one of the areas that's particularly interesting to parapsychologists and psychical researchers are poltergeist cases which mm-hmm. are quite similar to hauntings. Uh typically they say a poltergeist follows an individual around whereas a haunting is located to a, a particular place, uh, uh, a particular building for example, but they overlap quite a bit. And, uh, parapsychologists often like to, uh, be on the scene to observe the strange, uh, what's called recurring spontaneous psychokinetic activities associated with poltergeists, uh, and hauntings when, when they can. And there's, um, Probably in the literature, uh, well over a hundred uh, well-documented cases of uh, unusual phenomenon being uh, observed at these sites.
3: Yeah. Do you have any particular favorites?
10: Well, uh, for example, I, I think they're coming out with a new movie uh, about what's called the Enfield poltergeist. It got a lot of attention about 20, 30 years ago in England.
2: Uh, yeah. Let's pursue that particular poltergeist. Phenomenon in our next segment, okay? We have Dr. Jeffrey Mishlov with Gene, who has no doctorates or degrees. And Chris, you're in
18: the Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN.
2: A Paracast Aluminum Water Bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special. And multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour.
7: By now, you know that wireless technology like cell phones do, in fact, pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality, American made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888 315 9618. BlockitPocket.com Enhancing health and privacy.
12: Are the answers to your present and future hidden in your past? Akashic readings help you learn to unlock the answers for love, finances, weight loss, self-esteem, confusion, grief and loss, and more. Akashic email readings by Dr. Kelly Maroon, PhD, are specially priced right now. Learn more at Dr. Kelly Maroon's website, akashicuniversal.com, spelled A-K-A-S-H-I-C-universal.com. Change your life today. Become one with your true path with intention on purpose. Visit akashicuniversal.com.
4: Has neck, back, or shoulder pain got you down? Go to sunshine-pillows.com and get soothing comfort, support, and pain relief fast. Their microwavable heat therapy pillows and wraps treat neck and shoulder pain, reduce stress, and relax the soul. An ergonomic pillow from Sunshine Pillows supports your head and neck on long trips or when simply resting at home. Be good to yourself. Visit sunshine-pillows.com, sunshine-pillows.com.
15: This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 Pain Relief Hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620.
13: hi this is bryce abel i'm the producer of dark skies the co-author of ad after disclosure and you are listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio
2: okay so you're talking about a specific poltergeist episode or series of episodes, Jeff. Would you
4: explain?
10: Well, the Enfield poltergeist is one of the most dramatic on record. Uh, it was uh, researched extensively by my friend Guy Lyon Playfair in England, who has uh, written about it. The case went on for several years, and it included in the course of the investigation, a wide, wide range of paranormal phenomenon, including people being thrown around the room, objects being levitated, objects uh, materializing and dematerializing, voices appearing out of nowhere in the middle of the room. The family who was living in this house was in, I guess they felt practically tortured, by these phenomenon, and, and as I say, they went, uh, were ongoing for years before they eventually subsided, and researchers were on the scene almost continually.
3: Of course, Hollywood is going to have their way with that particular.
10: <laughs> yeah, you know, when it it gets uh, time to be made into a movie, the people uh, from Hollywood are interested in one thing, which is maximizing their ticket sales. So they're not trying to tell the story the way a researcher would attempt to tell it.
2: Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> they're trying to tell in a way that the people will come in and pay for tickets.
10: That's the
3: business that they're in, Yeah. Yeah, it's called the Entertainment Complex. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we do have uh, quite a bit of interest, obviously, on the show in uh, the subject of uh, ufology and UFOs, or a- uh, UAPs, I think is a now term du jour unexplained aerial phenomenon, or Ray Stanford's term, anomalous aerial objects, AAO. Before we get into that subject, um, you know, I've always been taken by um, the fact that you included Ray and his twin brother Rex in uh, your book, Roots of Consciousness. It's where I first really found out about Ray and his brother. And since then, Ray has become a very good friend of mine. In fact, I've written a biography about his uh, ufological life. Um, What do you think of People like a Ray Stanford who has what appear to be um, special abilities, and uh, he's an identical twin. And his identical twin doesn't appear to have those abilities, yet is so intrigued, I think, by his brother's abilities that he goes on and has a fascination for parapsychology. Uh, Did you get a chance to meet Ray back then, or have you kept in touch with him over the years?
10: in, In fact, back in 1973, I sponsored a conference on parapsychology at Berkeley in which Both Ray and Rex Stanford attended and and, uh, were speakers at, at the time, but I haven't kept up with them. Uh, Since that time, Uh, it's been a long, long time since I've had any contact with either of these two. Uh, Subsequently, I uh, wrote a book myself called The PK Man about uh, an individual who had unusual psychokinetic abilities and believed that those abilities uh, occurred by uh, virtue of a connection he had with alien entities he called the space intelligences.
3: Oh, uh, give us the uh, kind of a thumbnail sketch. Uh, who is this person? Uh, what? What are well, some it, of the?
10: Yeah, his name is Ted Owens, and uh, for people who uh, view my video series at New Thinking Allowed. Dot com That's spelled A-L-L-O-W-E-D. I've done about five or six interviews about the case of the P.K. man. It's quite elaborate. I studied him for over a decade, and amongst um, many other demonstrations of psychokinetic abilities or his connection with alien entities, he produced UFO sightings, and he uh, did that for me. I asked him uh, because I saw in the files that there were many such cases, and I tried to set up a uh, controlled experiment where he was going to produce some dramatic UFO sightings in the San Francisco area. We used the San Diego area, a, a comparable metropolitan area, as a control group to see if are these occurring any anyway all the time, everywhere. Um, we got a very dramatic sightings in San Francisco. At one point, Ted Owens called me up and he said, it's going to happen. I can feel it. It's going to be in a couple of days. There's going to be a UFO. It will be seen by hundreds of people. It will be photographed. And the photograph will be published on the front page of one of your local newspapers. Well, that's exactly what happened three days later. And not only was it photographed, it was videotaped. And the videotape was shown on Channel 9 Evening News in San Francisco. I still have the videotape. And furthermore, it was seen not only by hundreds of people on the ground who were outdoors looking at an exhibit of... um, Aerial artwork uh, over the campus of the Sonoma State University, about fifty miles from San Francisco. The whole (laughs) art—they had a
3: party crasher.
10: <laughs> it was was out there, but there was a pilot in the air, an artist named Stephen Polesky, who had an airplane of 3,000 feet above the campus with smoke shooting out the back and this unidentified flying object just was right there in his airspace hovering around him, lozenge-shaped about 30 feet across, so it was seen simultaneously from the air and the ground, photographed and videotaped, probably one of the best attested US. UFO sightings in history, and the whole thing had been very explicitly um, predicted for me by Ted Owens, uh, the PK man. Not only predicted, he claimed he caused it.
2: You know, it's very <laughs> interesting when you mention Ted Owens, because my only remembrance of that name is someone who was really, really considered controversial, but I looked up his history, and one of the early people who wrote about him was Otto Binder, the comic book writer science fiction writer and ufo writer if That's you remember correct. him
3: what was the time frame well what was this uh, time period this 10 year time period
10: i researched ted owens uh starting in 1976 until his death in 1987
9: Wow. So,
3: so where do you come down on the whole uh, UFO question? Uh, number one, it sounds like you have a sense that this is a real phenomenon. What, what, what are your theories, or what do you think is operative here? Are we dealing with, with actual, uh, you know, interstellar traveling uh, beings from other star systems? Uh, are we dealing with, with some sort of manifestation, uh, collective manifestation, let's say, on the part of humans, or are we dealing with other tenants uh on?
10: Well, it might be uh, multiple phenomena for all we know, Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, I'm very partial to the theories of Jacques Vallée, who who suggests that there are entities— They may be entities in different realms of consciousness or realms of hyperspace. It may not be that they actually come from other planets, but it seems they've been around for a long time and have been attempting to manipulate the human species in different ways by operating at an almost subconscious level. Uh, Ted Owens, who had enormous abilities and did 168 demonstrations in my files, Uh, claimed that uh, he was the first person they found who had this level of power since Moses. So he's suggesting that, you know, the same entities responsible for the uh, 10 plagues uh, in Egypt some 3,000 years ago were the ones that are working with him.
3: Wow, that's a pretty exalted company to place yourself in.
10: Well, you might say so. Uh, I mean, people who are conventionally religious think of Moses as a spiritual hero, but uh, uh, if you read the Bible uh, literally, there are descriptions of Moses and the various miracles attributed to him and some of the other actions that Uh, he engaged in, in, including killing thousands of people for the great sin of worshiping the golden calf. That make him much less than a spiritual hero to me, but maybe we're getting a bit off topic here.
3: Well, that's all right. He was probably the head of of a rival cattle cult uh, uh, sect, (laughs) as his brother Aaron was, uh, which is one of my theories. Um, (laughs) Of course, King James made sure that all references to uh, bull and cow worship were excised from the Bible in the early 1600s. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, we do digress. Um, You know, an interesting theory uh, that I've always felt had some real resonance attached to it. Of course, with James Lovelock's so Gaian theory, uh, the theory of Gaia, which has now, I think, been kind of
2: spiffed up, and they now call it Earth Systems Science. Let's um, talk about Earth Systems Science, or whatever you want to call it. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Pericast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN
1: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
16: There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of healthcare that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable healthcare that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain healthcare costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org.
20: Diabetes is at war with your circulatory system. Fight back with Cardivite. Cardivite is a dietary supplement containing powerful herbs for circulation and healthy cardiac function. Improve your energy, stamina, and mental acuity. Reduce swelling, cold hands, and risk of amputation. Get your blood flowing with Cardivite. This five-star rated product was developed by a diabetic pharmacist and is available online at www.getbloodflowing.com. That's www.getbloodflowing.com
1: welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's Gene
2: steinberg earth systems science doesn't sound yes, so or- sexy anymore
3: it's formally known as Gaian theory. Of course, when Lovelock came out with the Gaian hypothesis, he was tarred and feathered by uh, the scientific and academic uh, communities, the mainstream. There is, I think, something very tangible uh, behind the idea that the Earth is a superorganism that has some sort of form of sentience. Where do you come down on that whole idea of, of we're merely uh, seed pods on a superorganism and we're being tricked to get off planet before we destroy the ecosystem for the next uh, thousand years and maybe gaia is trying to get us out there to uh, to spread the gene pool out to the stars uh, this is, I'm, I'm kind of extrapolating on, on lovelock's theory here a little bit but do you think that there's something to that i mean have you really uh, studied
10: I, I think there very well might be something to it if, if you take the view of panpsychism, a philosophical view toward uh, that I described earlier, which basically suggests that even subatomic particles have a measure of consciousness, then why wouldn't a planet also have a measure of consciousness? I think it's quite likely. I'll tell you, though, what intrigues me about the Gaia hypothesis is the actual mythology of uh, Gaia herself. I did what? an interview recently for my New Thinking Aloud series with a scholar of ancient mythology who pointed out that in ancient times, there were multiple instances in which the mother goddess, of which Gaia is one of the oldest, collaborated with her own children to overthrow the ruling sky god. So Uranus was overthrown by Kronos, and Kronos was overthrown by Zeus, and it's seems as if there were efforts to overthrow Zeus as well, that the Eleusinian mysteries may have uh, actually been an effort to do that. So you've got a kind of a tension built in between the idea of the earth goddess, which represents a sense of ecology, a sense of we are all connected, we are all one, as opposed to the sky god with his sense of, you know, I'm in charge and you better do what I say. Also, sky gods have a history of abusing their children and being afraid that their children may wish to overthrow them, which in fact they do. Uh, It seems that a lot of uh, dynamics associated with human history are embodied in these myths, so that the revival of the Gaia myth by Lovelock, uh, there's more depth to it than one might see at first. It almost suggests uh, a necessity to overthrow the dominant idea of a masculine god up in the sky.
3: Well, then that that kind of calls in the trickster as possibly a mechanism to actually do that.
10: <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is a, a,
3: an archetype that I, I'm particularly fond of. I haven't tried to redefine the trickster in a book.
10: <laughs> well, the trickster archetype is also associated with the god Hermes, and Mercury, who were the initiators into the uh, spiritual, psychic, and uh, mystical uh, mysteries of the universe.
3: Yeah. And they also inhabited the sky and uh, the earth, the firmament. Yeah. They, they were, were messengers, messengers back going, and forth.
10: Going back and forth. And uh, so there's, you know, the whole Western esoteric tradition. It's sometimes called the Hermetic tradition because it goes back to this trickster god, Hermes. Right.
3: Well, I have a theory that the trickster, by literal definition, by, you know, tra- traditional definition, is neither self-aware and, as a result, lacks an agenda. And is you know, is amoral, It does; it's not positive or negative. It's like a little three-year-old kid banging his sister on the head with a bat, having so much fun, not realizing it could kill her. You know, I, I have a, a feeling that um, the trickster's role of inadvertently supplying uh, humans with technology or changing nature for the benefit, for the betterment or benefit of man benefit of man go ahead I have a theory that the trickster uh, is now being supplied technology by humans and could possibly be re-emerging as self-aware with a possible agenda within the internet and um,
10: I, I would like to encourage you to invite on your program uh, uh, one of my uh, guests Jason Giorgiani, who is a philosopher, he teaches at the Newark, or the New Jersey Institute of Technology in Newark, New Jersey, and he is the author of a book called Prometheus and Atlas, in which he deals uh, at great length with the trickster archetype and how it relates to my work with the PK man and to UFO phenomenon in general and to the uh, whole history of Western culture.
3: Well, wow, excellent. We're gonna to have to make a note of that, Gene. We're always on the lookout for guests uh that uh you know aren't your, your standard ufological fare. <laughs> They're Few and far between and hard to find, invariably. Thank you for the recommendation. We will definitely follow up on that. Well, getting back to the whole idea of Gaia, do you think Gaia could be conscious enough or have an agenda and could be possibly manifesting many of what we are calling paranormal, um, you know, phenomenal events? Do you think there's a possibility that there's some sort of of possible Gaian imperative uh, being enacted?
10: You know, I haven't given the matter much thought, but I uh, have to say, uh, yes, I think that it's a possibility uh, if if one assumes that Gaia is an active, conscious presence, uh, then, then one also has to take into account the possibility of other uh, archetypal entities uh, and the, the conflicts that may arise amongst them. So uh, the whole picture could be exceedingly complex, and I think it's one of the reasons why most materialistic scientists Uh, think they better stay away from this altogether, because if you start to take any of these hypotheses seriously, it'll drive you crazy.
3: (laughs) Well, that's unfortunate, but um, there are some of us who are brave enough and intrepid enough to uh, start digging around in places that uh, some people just don't want to go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we do at the Paracast. We uh, we dig around, and, and we sometimes
2: dirt- get in a little trouble for it. But what the heck?
3: <laughs> well, I find that the more you dig, the more dirt you uncover. So that's kind of one of my axioms. Uh, you know, I we love to dig here. So you know, you're you, you're talking about your. Um, your new thinking uh, channel. Why don't you give us a little bit more information about that and and uh, give us uh, maybe a, a, a rundown of some of the, the people that you're featuring and, and some of the areas that people can, uh, can expect to find there in terms of areas of concentration and research.
10: Well, let me just say, uh, and thank you for asking, I'm happy to talk about it. It's uh, my passion right now. Uh, As I mentioned earlier in the program, uh, 36 years ago, I received a doctoral diploma in parapsychology. And to this date, it's the only one ever awarded in the world by an accredited American university. But I'm optimistic enough to think that eventually there will be academic programs in parapsychology in many colleges and universities. And so uh, my goal in creating the new thinking aloud video channel is to uh, leave a legacy for future generations so that they know you know what the best uh, minds the best researchers in the field have had to say about it uh, now because there's some great researchers around and many of them uh, are getting older I'm 69 myself and, and many of my own teachers are in their 70s and 80s so I'm trying to give them an opportunity to do series of career retrospective interviews uh, in in which they can talk about, you know, what they've learned over the last 50, 60 years as researchers in this field. And and of course, also some young ones like Jason Giorgiani, who I mentioned earlier, uh, got his doctoral degree only two or three years ago and is doing incredibly brilliant work now uh so that that's my goal i'm there to leave a legacy and we have uh, basically two websites new thinking allowed spelled a-l-l-o-w-e-d dot and com
2: and let's do the second one in our next segment okay jeff okay yeah right, so we got one site there which we will repeat then get ready to write down the other one get your pencils ipads or whatever ready with Gene and Chris, you're in
5: The Paracast.
2: The award-winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's L E M K E SOFT.de slash gene. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. Dreamhost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com
7: host. Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves, home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to learn how easily expandable the system is Solark is the most affordable and powerful solution on the market the whole system even fits in the back of a pickup or SUV and can install in less than an hour see for yourself why Solark beats other off-grid systems at portable don't wait for the government go to portable to learn why Solark is energy insurance for your
8: family how confident are you in your food storage? If it was all you had to rely on, would it sustain your family? Hard times, good times, or any time. New Mana Storable Food is the proven superior choice. Learn for yourself what happened when one man ate only New Mana Storable Food for an entire month. Online at powerprepper.com. That's powerprepper.com. Experience the New Mana difference.
4: America made food
9: stores love to eat. Yum
5: dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an ivc filter you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation act now time is limited to file a claim for a free consultation and free information call injury help desk at 800-478-1507 800-478-1507 800-478-1507 this is an advertisement paid non-attorney spokesperson InjuryHelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement principal office las vegas nevada
20: Diabetes is at war with your circulatory system. Fight back with Cardivite. Cardivite is a dietary supplement containing powerful herbs for circulation and healthy cardiac function. Improve your energy, stamina, and mental acuity. Reduce swelling, cold hands, and risk of amputation. Get your blood flowing with Cardivite. This five-star rated product was developed by a diabetic pharmacist and is available online at www.getbloodflowing.com. That's www.getbloodflowing.com.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
10: So
2: we have those two sites from Jeff. Mention the first one again, then tell us about the second.
10: Yeah, newthinkingaloud.com and it's all one word newthinkingallowed A-L-L-O-W-E-D it's kind of a play on words and uh, org is the New Thinking Aloud Foundation which is uh, raising money for the ongoing uh, production of the video series and there are many many interesting things available on the foundation website so including books and uh, other items uh, available from the TV series. And uh, to date, in the last 15 months, I've actually uh, uploaded 180-plus interviews uh, onto the uh, website. They haven't all been released to the public yet, uh, but they will be between now and the end of the year. I think about 150 of them are are now public and uh, uh, we're still actively engaged in productions. Next month, I have Charlie Tart coming ah. to Las Vegas to be interviewed, who was one of my professors at
3: wow. Berkeley? I think he wasn't he one of the, the people that started what transpersonal psychology, if I'm not mistaken? Or?
10: Yes, he, he wrote the book, Transpersonal Psychologies. And he also popularized the term altered states of consciousness. He wrote that book he's sort of a, a cult hero he was even mentioned in the movie altered states as being one of the few researchers around doing good work in the field
3: yeah true uh you have rubbed shoulders with there's in the field john lilly i'm sure uh would be one of them um terence mckenna probably uh you probably done many
10: interviews with Terrence McKenna. As I mentioned, I started my career in this field by being a, a radio interviewer in 1972. Right. And in the course of uh, all of those decades, I've done well over a thousand interviews with well, uh, many of the you know, thought leaders in the field, many of whom are no longer with us.
2: Yeah. Let me ask you kind of a crazy question here, but we ask crazy questions. So we've talked to these other people you've worked with on a factual basis. And I should point out, in all fairness, that when Ted Owens was alive, and he had a couple of books published by Gray Barker's Caesarian back in the early days, that some people really dismissed him, didn't take him seriously. But over the long haul, over the years, have you run into many people who made claims of being some kind of psychic, or to have some really important knowledge about the paranormal that turned out not to really have any of that stuff?
10: Well, most people, to be honest, who make claims like that, aren't able to back them up the way Ted Owens was. He sought out scientists and did demonstration after demonstration after demonstration, trying to convince them that he was the real thing. But most people uh, who make such claims don't do that. Ted Owens was very unusual in that regard. And the uh, tragedy is that in spite of all of his efforts to work with scientists, he was generally met with ridicule. And furthermore, it got under his skin. So when people laughed at him for making the claims that he made, he often said, I better teach these people a lesson. So he would lash out at many people using his psychokinetic abilities and the results were not always pleasant. There were lives lost, there were accidents and crashes and very unfortunate things that sometimes happen to people. In in fact, on one occasion, he got angry with me. I mentioned the wonderful UFO sighting that he produced, but he promised he was going to produce three of them. Some days afterwards, we were on the phone, and he was bragging about what a great sighting he produced. And I said, well, you haven't done everything you said you were going to do yet. And he slammed the phone down. He was so angry. And I began to feel sick. All of a sudden, I began to get a scratchy feeling in my throat, the kind you get when you know, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be bad. I'm going to be getting a real sore throat here. Then, 45 minutes later, he called back. Without explaining himself in any way, he simply said, Jeffrey, I apologize. I will never do that to you again. And within moments, my sore throat cleared up.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, So this person can make you sick.
10: Well, I think we need to appreciate that we live in a world where we don't know who has these abilities and who doesn't. You know, the lesson for me is honestly to always treat every other person with respect, that there's never a good reason to treat any other human being with contempt. And it's often risky because you don't know if the person that you're treating with contempt might have psychokinetic abilities and might try to lash out at you that way.
2: So you're saying basically that if I don't like somebody, they rip me off and I have these abilities, and I am not aware that I have any abilities, but assuming I did, I could will them to become sick or something.
10: Yes, that's precisely what I'm saying. That's one of the reasons there's so much resistance to parapsychology is because of those sorts of implications. We live in a world where here in the United States of America, less than three hundred years ago, we were burning witches at the stake, and nope. people think that was a dark, superstitious age. well. Maybe it was, but we we have to confront the evidence. And the evidence to me is that this type of psychokinetic attack is is quite possible.
3: I can tell you stories. There's
10: <laughs> about a, a primitive animistic worldview that makes more sense than the modern materialistic worldview. Today, we believe that witchcraft doesn't really exist. And it may well be that uh, we've got it wrong.
3: Yeah, well, from personal experiences that uh, what you've described is very real. Having personally experienced um, one close call uh, that, I was inches away from being killed um, after breaking up with a very, very powerful um, Wiccan practitioner and someone uh, trained in uh, advanced degrees of the Western esoteric tradition. And her and her friend got together, and I I think they were doing some hanky-panky, and I almost – I came within inches of having – the closest call I ever had while driving on the road, I had a person come blazing down a mountain road at night uh, in my lane, and I literally had to leave the road to not be killed. Um, and I do equate that I equate that with what was going on in my house by two very powerful practitioners of uh, the dark arts, shall we say.
2: <laughs> Ooh, practitioners of the dark arts. You can tell us a lot more about that.
3: Uh, not really. It was a four-year relationship with a a Salem-trained uh, Wiccan practitioner. And uh, we both went through some, uh, some pretty sophisticated uh, hermetic training. I'll,
2: I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to say there are any psychic aspects to this, maybe psycho. But over the last portion of this episode of the Powercast, Chris has had some Awful problems dealing with his Skype connections. Every so often his voice gets distorted. Sometimes what he says completely disappears. I know many of you have encountered problems like that with Skype. And I'm not going to say it's the result of the fact that Skype is a Microsoft product. Just bear with us. We're doing the best we can to get the best possible audio we can. With Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Pericast.
19: Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G, LTE, GSM, and Sprint networks. Introducing PIX Wireless. Activate your Sprint, AT&T, or unlock GSM phones with PIX. And choose from an arsenal of monthly plans or build your own. Starting at only $2.99 per month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-205-9513. Or PIXWireless.com, spelled P-I-X-Wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today.
13: Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like.
21: Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of My Pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented My Pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My Pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10 year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60 day money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever you can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely
1: free. Go to mypillow.com or call 800 870 0305 and use promo code GCN. That's mypillow.com
21: or 800 870 0305 with promo code GCN. Warning, if you've recently declared bankruptcy, you're going to want to change the station because there's an alternative to bankruptcy and it could be faster than you'd ever think possible. But if you've already declared bankruptcy and have missed this opportunity, you'll want to change the station now. Here it is. Right now, the company that has resolved more credit card debt than anyone in the U.S. may be able to settle your debt, too. You could reduce your debt with one low monthly program payment. If you call right now and qualify, Freedom Debt Relief will show you how low your monthly program payment could be for free. Call now. 1-800-557-3965. That's 1-800-557-3965. If you're struggling with debt, this could be your answer. And the bigger your debt, the more money you could save. To find out for free how much of your hard earned money Freedom Debt Relief could help you save, call now 1 800 557 3965. 1 800 557 3965. 1 800 557 3965.
13: Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: We're back with Jeff on the Paracast. Let me ask you a question here, which kind of focuses on everything. Obviously, you'd like to see more and more people study parapsychology. What about ufology? Something like that.
10: I think they're related fields, parapsychology, uh, ufology. There are a whole uh, number of areas of the paranormal, and I I think they all uh, touch upon each other. One might say that Parapsychologists have developed more sophisticated uh, experimental methodologies and field study methodologies, but UFO researchers also have good field study methodologies. Uh, They're somewhat different, and often you find that the UFO researchers and the parapsychologists don't like to talk to each other because uh, they're afraid they'll be stigmatized. It's hard enough to be working in one area of the paranormal as soon as you Start to work in two, uh, you're sort of doubling the uh, stigma that you're going to have to face uh, with your colleagues, especially if you're in an academic institution.
2: Now, you, you put UFOs and parapsychology in the same field, but you know, of course, that there are a lot of people out there who say, okay, UFOs is physical visitations from other planets, it's just spaceships. Whereas with parapsychology, we get into a whole host of things. Do we think then that there's a very deep consciousness factor in what we experience or perceive about UFOs?
10: Well, even if you uh, assume that Uh, UFOs are spaceships from other star systems, which is one uh, hypothesis among many, you get accounts of telepathic communication supposedly occurring between uh, the occupants of these spaceships and and humans. So there's a, uh, a parapsychological element there. There's no getting around it one way or another.
2: Now, that's a very interesting thing here, because one of the complaints I often make about UFO investigation is the fact that when investigators come in and look at a sighting, they'll get the details, you know, the azimuth, the size of the object, what it looked like. They'll get all sorts of information about what you saw, but not who you are.
10: Yeah, it all needs to be taken into account, and there are many examples in the literature of people with highly developed psychic abilities who have uh, UFO contacts. Certainly the Ted Owens case is one, but so is the Uri Geller case. And and there are others. There's uh, Dr. Berthold Schwartz, a psychiatrist, published a lengthy study with uh, one of his patients who had the ability to photograph UFOs and it seems as if those photographs were actually yeah, the product of uh, what we call photography or psychokinetic projections from her own mind.
2: Now, Dr. Schwartz, I knew him slightly,
10: mm-hmm.
2: very slightly, and was in touch with him, I guess, you know, in the final years of his life and everything.
10: Yeah, he he was a, a fine researcher and a good man. The case
3: of the woman in Vancouver, British Columbia, and the all uh, movies and uh, photographs?
10: I, no, this is a different case. This is a case on the East Coast, and the woman uh, involved was named Stella Lansing, and uh, she often produced uh, photographic images of UFOs in a clock-like formation, like a dozen different UFOs, all lined up as if they were the uh, markers on a, on a clock, marking the hours. Nobody could see them, but she just point her camera, and then when they developed the pictures, there they were.
2: Let me continue. Okay, so let's talk about things like physical evidence of UFOs. So photographs, mm-hmm. we do see photographs from time to time. Most, however, could be faked, and nowadays with the technology, all can be faked. So when it comes well, to physical uh, evidence, what do we do?
10: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the field has a long way to go. I know that the physical evidence is not limited just to photographs. There are also uh, a wide variety of, of other specimens that have, have been, uh, including metal alloys that have been found, unusual metallic uh, alloys that would be uh, hard to uh, identify uh, normally here on Earth. Um, But for the most part, you know, you just have to keep accumulating evidence. You've got to realize that in spite of the enormous popular interest, there are only uh, maybe several dozen really serious researchers working in the field. And in such a small field as ufology or parapsychology is an equally small field, while there are many amateurs, uh, you're not going to get... Uh, the kind of progress you'd like to see if you only have a few dozen professional people working in the field. I suspect at some point in the future we'll have thousands of people like other scientific areas have, and and we're likely to see more progress then.
2: How do you persuade so-called conventional science to take any of this seriously? Because very, very few scientists, as you know, do.
10: Well. I think you have to um, just be persistent, and you have to just be patient and do the best research you can do. The, The truth of the matter is, let's say, with regard to parapsychology, there are professional journals that have been publishing in this field continuously since the 1880s. And there are just literally hundreds, if not thousands, of case histories that are accumulating. Well, uh, right now, we live in a um, social environment which is not friendly. And in spite of the good data uh, that exists, for the most part, the field is marginalized. And there are, you know, uh, on the other hand, the popular interest is enormous, while academics tend to be hostile to the field and uh, tend to treat it with a horse laugh, uh, which can hurt anybody trying to get a promotion in their career or trying to seek funding. Uh, Probably about two-thirds of uh, people in the general community have had these experiences and are very interested in them. And sooner or later, you know, the pendulum will swing back the other way and will be in a social environment which is uh, conducive to more research being done. And in the meantime, uh, it's fair to say that the quality of the research gets better and better year by year because uh, the researchers themselves are always looking to improve their methodology and Additionally, they're subject to constant attack from skeptics on the outside, not even true skeptics, but scoffers who, who are looking for any excuse to dismiss this research and occasionally come up with good criticisms uh, so that the research uh, gets improved and refined uh, decade by decade.
2: Do you expect to be around when we get some final answers to any of this?
10: No, not in this body. Uh, Probably. (laughs) I hope I come back in another body so that I can uh, see what goes on. But uh, it's likely to be. William James put it this way. He's one of my intellectual heroes. He's the founder of American psychology, but he was also a parapsychology researcher. And he said that We can't measure progress in this field decade by decade as we would with other fields. We have to measure progress by the century and half centuries. So I, I think it could easily be 100 or 200 years before things really start taking off. Uh, I'm hopeful that all of the videos that I am producing now will be around when that happens so that a, uh, a generation of researchers in the future will have access to what the best minds and the best scientists of today are thinking.
2: One more segment with Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove with Gene and Chris, you're in. Pericast. stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour.
12: Are the answers to your present and future hidden in your past? Akashic readings help you learn to unlock the answers for love, finances, weight loss, self-esteem, confusion, grief and loss, and more. Akashic email readings by Dr. Kelly Maroon, Ph.D. are specially priced right now. Learn more at Dr. Kelly Maroon's website, akashicuniversal.com, spelled A-K-A-S-H-I-C universal.com. Change your life today. Become one with your true path with intention on purpose. Visit akashicuniversal.com.
19: Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G, LTE, GSM, and Sprint networks. Introducing PIX Wireless. Activate your Sprint, AT&T, or unlock GSM phones with PIX. And choose from an arsenal of monthly plans or build your own. Starting at only 2 dollars per month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-205-9513. Or PIXWireless.com, spelled P-I-X-Wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today.
22: Dr. Walter Warburg won the Nobel Prize for discovering how cells breathe. He also discovered how normal cells turn into tumor cells. He discovered the one prime cause of cancer was cellular oxygen deficiency. Dr. Joanna Budwig built upon the work of Dr. Warburg and discovered how to feed the cells to overcome this oxygen deficiency. She found that it was a sulfur in the cottage cheese that would mix with fresh pressed flax oil that the flax oil would become emulsified and more readily absorbed. Flax oil delivered in this manner was able to restore oxygen transfer to all cells of the body. Now there's a new method of pressing seed oils that produces the highest quality, zero oxidation, undamaged seed oils. The results on these seed oils alone are amazing. Now add our Life Force Enhanced One World Way Protein Powder that is much higher in the sulfur amino acids than cottage cheese is, and you have a winning combination to confer health and energy like never before. Call 888-988-3325 or visit sacredseedoils.com. That's sacredseedoils.com.
4: Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren,
13: author of The Poor Man's Paranormal. And you're listening to the Paracast, the gold
21: standard of paranormal radio.
2: With Gene and Chris, we're back with our final visit with Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove for this time out, and we hope to have him back in the future. Chris has been having an awful time with his Skype connection. There's something over there, some kind of poltergeist or something that's taken control. Chris? Yeah,
3: extremely frustrating, Gene. Uh, Sorry, uh, Jeffrey, we've been having... You know, reoccurring problems. I'm showing a one meg uh, upload speed, so we shouldn't really be having the problems that we're having. But right now, you're okay. Just continue. Yeah. What advice would you give? You know, the up and coming generation who have interest in this subject, but because of the the stigma attached to them, may be reluctant to bring their you know, hopefully considerable talents uh, to bear on these subjects, Uh, what sort of advice would you give them to circumvent, uh, you know, the current stigma that's attached to the whole uh, subject's
10: Well, the conventional advice that almost every parapsychologist will give you is first establish yourself in some conventional field like psychology or psychotherapy or philosophy or or medicine. And then once you've gotten tenure and you're no longer threatened, then you can do parapsychology research and your income won't suffer as a result. I did not follow that advice myself, and I can look back, you know, by getting a doctoral degree in parapsychology, it made it almost impossible for me to have a conventional academic career, but I have no regrets. I uh, have had an interesting life in the media and in the world of business. Maybe I've been fortunate. I would encourage people to follow the advice that Joseph Campbell gave me when I interviewed him, and I asked him, what advice would he give to young people? And he said, follow your, follow passion. your
20: bliss.
3: <laughs>
10: yeah, do that. And I think if you do that, and if you're a well-grounded, healthy individual, uh, things will work out one way or another.
2: Now, you mentioned being a conventional academic was difficult because of your degree, they look at your degree and say, you're a doctor of what?
10: not only was I a doctor of parapsychology that made it hard enough, but because I had done the UFO research with Ted Owens, the PK man, I was pretty much stigmatized even by parapsychologists as someone whose work was beyond the fold. There was no possibility that I would have been hired by any of the few remaining institutions that had money to hire people in parapsychology. But I made my way. Uh, I can say... This, that I'm glad that I was true to myself in the process. I think uh, I benefited uh, from it, and instead of being hired by other people for their academic programs, I helped to create new ones. I helped found the University of Philosophical Research in uh, Los Angeles, for example, uh, and taught parapsychology there for many years. And I helped found a program for uh, ministers in the now known as the Centers for Spiritual Living, formerly the uh, Church of Religious Science, where we set up an institute called the Holmes Institute, where where I teach parapsychology, and it's required now for all ministers in training with that organization. So there's usually, you know, when one door closes, another one opens somewhere.
2: Well, that's certainly certainly very good and very helpful. Hopeful indeed. What about young people yeah. who want to get involved in exploring the strange and unknown?
10: Well, I, I would suggest that they pay Special attention to the academic literature, to the serious researchers in the field, and, and frankly, I think one of the very best of all uh, resources for that is the uh, video channel that I'm, I've been working on for the last 15 months and that I've mentioned earlier, the New Thinking Allowed dot com and org. There's a wealth of uh, resources. There hundreds of books uh, that are available and uh, over 150 interviews with leading researchers and thought leaders in, in the field. It's an excellent resource for people. And it's free, every bit of it.
2: Of course, getting people interested also when they're young, they got so many other pursuits
10: and it's it's not for everybody not everybody is is going to have a career in parapsychology i think maybe 1 or 2% of the population uh has a real serious interest in this field but in a country of 300 million people we're talking about several million
3: yeah well, uh, Dr. Barry Taff, Lloyd Arbach, uh, both of who been who we've had on the show, um, they have managed to uh, avoid the pitfalls and pratfalls, and uh, gone on to um, at least uh, make a bit of a, a mark. Um, I think Lloyd especially. So you know there is hope uh, out there, and and again, I think uh, we are seeing a you know I think the generation of kind of. Boring old farts that, you know, have no time for this subject matter are, you know, retiring and uh, passing on. And I, th- and I think we're going to see a renaissance of interest in these subjects, and I think they will become more and more mainstream as time marches on.
10: I think it's fair to say that society has gone through enormous changes. We're uh, about to elect, I believe, the first female president of the United States. And now, gay marriage, which was unthinkable uh, only uh, a decade or two ago, is is now the law of the land. And uh, these changes uh, affect everything, and uh, including the openness to uh, the inner realms of the psyche.
2: So we're getting better and better at this.
10: There's hope. I, I'm very hopeful. <laughs>
2: what do you think, um, this is kind of a final question because we have to wrap up, so, all the people involved in physical UFOs, disclosure, do you think the government knows any of the stuff that you look into? I
10: I did a series of interviews with John Alexander, who is a uh, UFO researcher and the author of of a book called UFOs, Myths and Realities, a former colonel in, in the military who while he was in the military at a time when he had top secret clearance, made an effort to determine what the government really did know. And uh, he's quite sincere in his belief that actually the government knows very, very little, that uh, the government is not capable of really doing much serious investigation in the UFO and, and paranormal areas. And I, I'm inclined to uh, think that he's onto something. Now, it's always possible that there are programs around secret black programs of which he was uh, never made aware. But uh, I'm inclined to think that that's the sort of uh, thing for conspiracy theorists, that there's very little evidence to support that.
3: We've had him on the show a couple of times and after being kind of at odds with him for many years i've I've actually uh, gotten to know him and consider him a bit of a you know a casual friend uh, we spend a little time together I do think he's sincere but you know again people that think that the government camps can't, can't keep secrets I think are wrong the government is able to keep secrets but I think when it comes to UFO information I think a lot of that is probably in the private sector and the aerospace companies and and out of the
2: Reach of FOIA and, and uh, the purview of the uh, U.S. government. Jeffrey Mishlove, tell our listeners if they want more information about what you do, tell us where to go.
10: Okay, one more time. Go to www.newthinkingaloud all one word dot com or dot org uh, to visit the uh, video channel that I've been producing interviews on for the last fifteen months.
2: You can find us on Twitter if you simply look for the Paracast. Look for the Paracast on Twitter. Look for two, not one, two official Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. And, of course, we want you also to look for the Paracast Plus. It's the special best way. To listen to the PowerCast, and we give you all the extra features. So, first, there's the commercial free version of this show, better quality audio. We also offer the exclusive After the Paracast podcast. We give you some show transcripts and lots of other stuff. It's all available for a low subscription rate. And for long subscriptions, like five years or more, we give you free ebooks for me and Chris. So it's definitely worth checking out. Plus dot, Plus dot, theparacast.com. Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove, thank you for joining us on The Paracast.
10: My pleasure. Thank you both.
1: The Paracast